Security. From St. Pete to Brandon, this is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris, where Tampa Bay begins their morning. And a good morning, the penultimate day of the work week here, a Thursday, as we bring you a puissant presentation of profundity here, known as AM Tampa Bay, with Jack Harris, Katie Bacino, and James Berlander. We're all back in the saddle again here. James out yesterday for jury duty. How did that go, James? You know, I was telling Katie off the air here, thank God that everybody in Tampa Bay knows you because I told people I work with Jack Harris, and they're like, oh, you work in the news station. I'm like, yeah. So I think that helped get me out of jury duty. So you got out of it. Because of you. (laughs) Well, (laughs) Because of your name. (laughs) Yeah, I was picked for jury duty once, and they called and told me, no, never mind, you can't do it. I said, that's great. It was just a lot of waiting yesterday. That's it. Ah, well, we missed you here for sure. But uh, nevertheless, the uh, you got out of your jury duty. That's a good thing. What was the other thing I was going to? Oh, well, in case you watched it last night, the disaster, the... Uh, at Amelie Arena, the Avalanche beat the Bolts 3-2 to two in overtime. It was so close. Whenever it goes into overtime, I always feel like my heart starts just palpitating. Oh, I know. That was that was incredible. And, uh, uh, well, I don't even know what to say. It was tragic and only three games left. And they have to win all three in order to take the Stanley Cup, so I don't know if it's going to be a three-peat this year or not. We'll have T-Crash coming here in the next half hour to give us his take on it, but it just looks like, well, they play um, Friday night up there, and if they're able to win that one, they play Sunday down here, and if they're able to win that one, then they'll have a finale on Tuesday out in Colorado. So let's hope they can wrap it up in Colorado on Tuesday. And meanwhile, not a good night for the Rays either. They were beaten by the Yankees 5-4. to four. So they were 1-2 and two in that series with the Yankees. Of course, the Yankees have the best record in baseball, so... Nothing terrible about losing to them. But anyway, got a lot that's going on here. I'm going to be talking about gas prices, among other things. Um, President Biden uh, yesterday called on Congress to suspend federal gasoline and diesel taxes for three months to supposedly ease financial pressure at the pump that, um, well, it reveals the political toxicity of high gas prices in this election year, and he called on states to suspend their own gas taxes or provide some kind of relief. Uh, And at issue is the 18.4 cents a gallon federal tax on gas and 24.5 cents per gallon federal tax on diesel fuel. And if the gas savings were passed along to the consumers, people would save roughly 3.6% at the pump when prices are averaging $5 a gallon nationwide. But they view this with skepticism. The whole point is, uh, first of all, oil companies will probably jack prices up again But the whole point is, we could have prices back the way they used to be in the Trump era if we just provided our own oil. We are so stupid for not doing that, for not drilling, for not using the Keystone Pipeline. We've got it underground here. But all of these green folks who are afraid we're going to do something to the environment. You mean idiots, Jack. Idiots, total idiots. That gives idiots a bad name. They're worse than that. Well, anyway, it's 516 on AM Tampa Bay, and 
Time to check in with John Thomas and traffic. Quick takes. Ripping through the biggest news stories of the day in record time. Providing you all you need to know. This is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris. And Chris Trinkman in here from the newsroom on this Thursday morning. And what's up this morning, Chris? Good morning, Jack. Well, we have to hope that the Avalanche earned themselves some bad karma with that victory in overtime last night because there clearly may have been a violation on the scoring of that goal because some replays suggested there were six guys on the ice and that, you know, that's not uh, not allowed. But it uh, clearly affected the coach. You know, John Cooper was not happy. But they were uh, the winners anyway. So we have to hope they take that bad karma back to Colorado and lose three in a row so that the Bolts can win the title. wonder what the chances are of winning three <laughs> in a row, the final three games, and they couldn't win the one at home. Yeah. Only one of the remaining games is at home. Yeah, uh, even that last goal, you know, the it, it kind of it scored uh, going upwards, and it was hard to tell initially if it actually went into the net properly. They did take a closer look at that. But it clearly did in the replay. And unfortunately, that uh, broke the eight-game winning streak that the Bolts had at Amelie Arena. And now they got to go and play in a place where uh, Colorado just doesn't seem to lose. Oh, I know. And so you look at the series, and it says, you know, they're trailing three games to one, and you think, okay, well, you know, maybe they can do that. But then you think, well, three in a row is a pretty tough, tough oh, road, yeah. to, road to go. Two of them have to be in Colorado. Yeah. Now, I think it's been done before. It just doesn't happen very often in any sport. I think we may have to wait until 2023 to well, come up with another Stanley Cup. It's not over yet. I mean, they, they, the Bolts played well. I mean, you know, the Lightning were definitely oh, yeah. uh, in a position to win. In fact, they probably should have put that game away uh, it, at several points during the, the matchup, but they just couldn't do it. And as a result, uh, they allowed the Colorado Avalanche to tie it, and then, of course, we saw what happened in overtime. Yeah. And... The uh, Rays not doing too well either. They were mm. only won one out of the three games with the Yankees and lost last night. Uh, what was it five to four? I think. Let's hope that's more of a reflection on the fact that the Yankees are this juggernaut. They are the best. So yeah. there's nothing shameful about that's losing just to the Yankees. But you got to yeah. think. Well, we may be facing them in the yeah. American League Championship. Let's hope they just that. get those losses out of the way now and then they can focus on you know, doing what they can do because clearly the Yankees can beat anybody and, oh, yeah, and, and have many times over so far this season. Got the Pirates coming in this weekend. There you go. Some interleague action. That's always fun. So Publix won't be giving the COVID vaccine to kids under five. And this is somewhat controversial because they give vaccines for other diseases uh, to infants in some cases. Yeah. Um, this has become a political issue and very controversial. You know, the governor doesn't support this vaccine. Uh, it is available at certain locations uh, through the federal government, but the state hasn't made any effort to make it available. And the governor and the state uh, surgeon general saying that they are not recommending that kids get it. We're talking about kids under five. Yeah. And so. Yeah. Publix is one of the big providers for vaccines. A lot of people go there and, you know, they depend on that for things like flu shots and other uh, other things where they stick your arm. Oh, yes. Like the good old days of the salt vaccine. Yeah, that's right. So for, yeah, for polio you're talking about? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. That's right. Uh, so we'll see if that... Uh, if that changes or, or, or exactly what the reasons are for that. But in the meantime, that's one less place that you can get it. Public's not saying why they're they're not offering it, um, whether it's a political issue or just something they don't uh, they don't want to offer. Yeah. So the man who was once the Democratic nominee for governor is facing criminal charges. The Justice Department ordered uh, former Tallahassee Mayor Andrew Gillum indicted on 21 counts. These are crimes dating back to 2016. The 42-year-old and a political uh, ally allegedly conspired to commit wire fraud by unlawfully soliciting and obtaining funds through false and fraudulent promises. What all that legal stuff means is that they were allegedly stealing money from campaign donors and using it for personal use. 
Oh, yeah. He could end up in the slammer. It'll be interesting to see what happens with this guy. But yeah, he's had a losing career. But anyway, yeah, uh, a lot of bizarre, uh, a lot of bizarre things attached to Andrew Gillum after that governor's race. You know, he lost the race. Yeah. It was really close, and then he got arrested down in Miami. Remember, yeah. and 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 that whole thing was kind of weird, and and there was you know some questions about his sexual orientation. Yeah, <laughs> and then yeah, and now there's this whole thing. There was the 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 Hamilton tickets that he you know allegedly got. Um, yeah, sort of on a on a suspicious uh, manner, where he went up to New York and got some free tickets to the Hamilton show. Yeah, he's you know these are things that uh, it, it just seemed like a. A, a litany of uh, controversy surrounding him, but this is serious yeah, stuff. True. Now we're talking about you know uh, criminal charges. Oh yeah, he could end up in the slammer this time. But um, we will have more coming up here from Chris in about nine minutes at the bottom of the hour. And thank you, Chris. Thanks, Jack. And we got today in history coming up here in just a jiffy for June twenty third. It's five twenty one, and here's John Thomas with traffic podcast. Now. Taking a look back at this day in history on AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris. It's today in history, June 23rd, and it's brought to you by Fitzgerald Auto Mall. In 1683, William Penn signed a friendship treaty with Lenny Lenop Indians with the Lenny Lenop Indians in Pennsylvania. 1780, in the American Revolution, the Battle of Springfield fought in and around Springfield, New Jersey. 1794, Empress Catherine II of Russia granted Jews permission to settle in Kiev. That's in what is now the Ukraine, of course. We're familiar with that town now. 1810, John Jacob Astor formed the Pacific Fur Company. 1812, in the War of 1812, Great Britain revoked the restrictions on American commerce, thus eliminating one of the chief reasons for going to war. 1860, the U.S. Congress established the Government Printing Office. In 1865, in the Civil War, at Fort Towson in Oklahoma Territory, Confederate Brigadier General Stan Watt, he surrenders the last significant Confederate army. In 1868, Christopher Latham Scholes got a patent for an invention that he called the typewriter. 1917, in a game against the Washington Senators, Boston Red Sox pitcher Ernie Shore retired 26 batters in a row after replacing Babe Ruth, who had just been ejected for punching the umpire. 1926, the College Board administers the first SAT exam, SAT exam. 1931, Wiley Post and Harold Gaddy take off from Roosevelt Field, Long Island, in an attempt to circumnavigate the world in a single-engine plane. 1938, the Civil Aeronautics Act is signed into law, forming the Civil Aeronautics Authority in the U.S. 1940, Henry Larson begins the first successful west-to-east navigation of the Northwest Passage from Vancouver, British Columbia. 1947, the U.S. Senate follows the House of Representatives in overriding U.S. President Harry Truman's veto of the Taft-Hartley Act. 1951, the ocean liner USS United States is christened and launched. And I guess we're going to have to finish these up here in the next half hour because we've got the news coming up. It's 528 on AM Tampa Bay. Tax.com. Keeping you up on what's trending. Here's the AM Tampa Bay trendsetter, Katie Bacino. And at 537, what have we got trending this morning, Katie? Well, this was a crazy story. So a woman in Bronx in New York was being held against her will. She was 24 years old and she was being held. Well, her kidnapper or whatever must have let her order some food or maybe she was ordering it for them, whatever. But she used Grubhub to order them some food. And in the little note section, 
she put that she needed them to call 911. So the Chipper Truck Cafe in Yonkers got the Grubhub order Sunday morning. They saw the note. They called police and they were able to go to the house and place the man under arrest. They placed 32-year-old Kern... Kernoy Royal with rape, strangulation, assault. He got a lot of charges, weapon charges and that, but just an interesting way to tell someone you've been kidnapped. Yeah, certainly is. This with is a, yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, uh, I've got the rest of the um, today in history here. Beginning uh, today, June 23rd in 1959 convicted Manhattan Project spy Klaus Fuchs is released after only nine years in prison and allowed to emigrate to Dresden, East Germany, where he resumed a scientific career. 1960, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration declares Enovid to be the first officially approved combined oral contraceptive pill in the world breakthrough for women here 1967 the cold war president lyndon b johnson met with soviet premier alexei kosygin in glassboro new jersey for the three-day glassboro summit conference 1969 warren Burger sworn in as the chief justice of the supreme court by retiring chief justice earl warren 1969, IBM announced that effective January 1970, it'll price its software and services separately from hardware, thus creating the modern software industry. 1972, the Watergate scandal. President Richard Nixon and White House Chief of Staff H.R. Halderman are taped talking about illegally using the CIA to obstruct the FBI's investigation into the Watergate break-in. That was 50 years ago. Remember it well. 1994, NASA's Space Station Processing Facility, a new state-of-the-art manufacturing building for the International Space Station, officially opened over at the Kennedy Space Center. In 2013, Nick Walenda became the first man to successfully walk across the Grand Canyon on a tightrope. Nick, of course, from Sarasota. And finally, in 2016, the United Kingdom voted in a referendum to leave the European Union 52% to 48%, which they have done. This Day in History presented by Fitzgerald Auto Mall at Fitzgerald. It all begins with a Low price in writing, posted on the window of every car. Transparency and trust, that's the Fitz way. It's 541, time to check in with John Thomas and traffic. Live on the free iHeartRadio app, this is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris on News Radio WFLA. And Tom Krasnicki, or T Crash as he's known, with the Ronnie and T Crash show on 95.3 WDAE on board here to talk about the well the bad news bears last night morning jack it was bad news uh, lightning losing in overtime they're now on the brink of elimination and the head coach john cooper not very happy after the game because the game-winning goal was scored by colorado who dominated overtime i mean the lightning were barely hanging on and they were out of gas but the game-winning goal was scored by colorado with six guys on the ice yeah. Which obviously should have been a penalty, should have been too many men on the ice. So the Lightning felt like they were kind of hosed a little bit. But honestly, Jack, in reality, the Lightning had the lead after the first period. They had the lead after the second period. I mean, they had a chance to really put that game away, and they couldn't do it and give Colorado a lot of credit, especially their goaltender. I mean, they gave up a goal 36 seconds into the game, and you felt like that was going to be oh, the Lightning's man. night. Yeah, we really got excited. You were at the game last night, right? I was. It was great energy before the game. We were out in the plaza during the game, obviously. And after the game, it was an entirely different story. But it's it's just a bummer to to lose a game in that fashion in which, you know, Colorado may have had, uh, you know, committed an infraction. 
Yeah. I mean, you can't have six guys on the ice, especially if that guy's got the puck, and the guy who ended up scoring the game-winning goal was the guy who jumped on the ice. Yeah, and uh, unfortunately, it's too late to do anything about it. It's not reviewable. It's done, and now the Lightning are down three games to one. They've got to win three in a row, which I don't see happening here. Yeah, I don't think there's... I mean, I've got to imagine that they're... With the gamblers right now, they're down to about zip. Yeah, look, I mean, it's it's been tough to count this team out because they've been through so much adversity. There's a lot of heart and determination with this team, but you're asking them to win three in a row against a team that has pretty much dominated them in just about every game except for game number three, and two of those games are going to be in Colorado potentially, so it's, it's definitely a, the longest of long shots, I think. Yep, they could very well wrap it up up there on uh, Friday night. Yep, tomorrow night, and if the Lightning find a way to stay alive, uh, Game 6 would be back at Emily Arena on Sunday night and Game 7 potentially on Tuesday, but I doubt it gets that far. I hope I'm wrong, Jack, but... No, I hope you are too, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, you never can tell. Miracles can happen. Uh-huh. Let's hope it does. Uh, the Rays didn't do so well last night either against... The Yankees, of course, that's not so bad because Yankees are the best team in baseball, I guess. They are, but the Rays had them on the ropes. They had a 4-1 to lead, Jack, with the bases loaded. Yeah. G-Man Choi, one of the best hitters at the plate. And then you got this kid, Taylor Walls, who is meandering off third base, gets picked off to end the inning. It was just the turning point of the game. And then he commits another error. He leads the team in errors. And he's got to go back down to Durham. I mean, the Rays are in the business of winning games, all right? And if they've got kids who don't understand how to win games on the major league level, get them off the team, send them back to the minors so they can learn a thing or two. I mean, enough is enough. I mean... I like giving kids a chance, but when it's costing you games, you got to do something. And when Wanda Franco comes back, that kid's got to go back down to Durham. Boy, that's true. The Durham, what is it, the Bulls? The Durham Bulls. That's where they belong. That's what that. That's where Taylor Walls belongs. I mean, come on now. I mean, enough is enough already. Too many mistakes. You can't make those kind of mistakes against the Yankees. For sure. They should have won that game last night. Oh, easily. Yeah, I, I was watching that as well and <laughs> saw what happened, but. You've got Tom Krasnicki or the Ronnie and T. Crash Show, 95.3 WDAE, also on AM620, and on Twitter, at T. Crass. And we will see you again soon. Yes, you will, Jack. I hope with better news. Uh, yeah, I'm a little fired up this morning. Yes, you certainly are. You'll have plenty to talk about with the folks down there. It's 5.50 on AM Tampa Bay. Time to check in with... John Thomas in traffic. Jack, Katie, and James every weekday morning. This is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris on News Radio WFLA. 554 time for Rory O'Neill, our NBC News Radio reporter. And this report's brought to you by the Oncology Institute. And Rory, I see you've got down here a new survey says to be considered wealthy. You need about $2.2 million. And how did they come up with that? Well, so Charles Schwab, the Modern Wealth Survey, is something they do every year. And it's funny that this number is actually going down. So they ask people, how much is it do you have to have? What's your net worth? You know, including your house and your car and, you know, minus any mortgage or credit card debt. So what's your net worth? What must that be to be considered wealthy? And that number is down to 2.2 million. Uh, you know, it's funny because that number was actually up to 2.6 million just a couple of years ago, but the pandemic has us all downsizing that number a little bit. Oh, yeah, definitely so. And that would make you a multimillionaire because there are two of them. Well, right. And, and, you know, there was another, they said, okay, if, if you have to, if you need 2.2 million to be wealthy, how much do you need to be considered comfortable? Well, in 2018, that number was 1.4 million. Now, here we are, you know, exiting the pandemic. They now say to be comfortable, you need $774,000 in net worth. Hmm. Under a million. Yeah, that's a, that's a, to drop that number in half is pretty interesting. Keep in mind, you know, there's something, though, that people should keep in mind as they, as we all rush to cram as much in our retirements as we can uh you know you'll need about 1.2 million in the bank in investments 
for that 4% rule to work out. So that you make about $50,000 in income from those investments every year. So 1.2, the most financial advisors will say is a good goal, but if you have 1.2 in investments in the bank, that can pay you through your retirement years. Yeah, that would help immensely. By the way, speculation that uh, Pope Francis might be getting ready to hang it up. Yeah, this is interesting. We're just hearing more and more talk. You know, the Pope is now 85 years old. He's had sciatica for years. Now he's got this knee issue that has him in a wheelchair a lot or walking with a cane. They had to cancel an upcoming trip to Africa. You know, last year he had part of his colon removed. So uh, there's a lot more speculation whether or not he might consider retiring, which, by the way, his predecessor did, Pope Benedict. Benedict is still there in the Vatican as Pope Emeritus, 95 years old. Mm. You know, before Benedict retired, the last time they had a retirement was 600 years ago with Pope Gregory XII. So this is not something that happens a lot, but uh, there's talk, speculation. It's funny, though, the closest advisors to the Pope say it's nonsense. They call it, quote, a cheap soap opera. (laughs) Cheap soap opera. All right. Well, Rory, we will talk to you again tomorrow. Uh... Thanks, Jack. And Rory O'Neill on Twitter, at Radio Rory. And this report was brought to you by the Oncology Institute, a new kind of cancer care provider focused on clinical outcome, patient satisfaction, and designing a treatment plan that's right for you. Six locations across the Tampa Bay area. Make an appointment at the oncologyinstitute.com. It's 557 on AM Tampa Bay. Security. From Odessa to Clearwater, this is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris, where Tampa Bay begins their morning. And also Katie Buccino and James Berlander as we engage in masticating the adipose or chewing the fat here. And it's six minutes after six. Penultimate day of the work week. It's a Thursday morning. By the way, if anybody um, checked out the five planets and the moon last night, or if they've seen any of this happening, and it's going to be happening from now until the end of June, we'd like to hear from you. We'd like to hear what it looked like, if it was as impressive as they said it might be. I need to buy a telescope again. Well, they say you don't even need one for this thing. Oh. Yeah, we've got one. I almost never use it. We just sit out there and check out the skyline. I'll I'll take it off your hands. (laughs) I have one, too, and I think I've used it twice. I don't really know how to use it properly. I don't know. Nerds. Yeah, I use it checking out people out on the bay. Oh. Oh, whoa. (laughs) Well, peeping in. Close your curtains. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Well, we've got a couple of birthdays, first of all. Deborah uh, Hoskinson Weiser, I think I pronounced that right, Weiser. And also, Gabriella Gamming, and I think she is either uh, the late Tom McEwen's daughter or granddaughter. And Tom McEwen, of course, was an iconic figure here in the Bay Area for so long as He was the uh, sports editor of the Tampa Tribune, but he did so much more in sports. But Gabriella Gamming and Deborah Hoskinson Weiser, do you all have any birthdays in there? I do. I have my friend Caitlin Blunt from high school. She's married now. I just don't know how to pronounce her new last name, but she'll always be Caitlin Blunt to me. Hmm. And how about you, James? For me, I've just got one, Jordan Collins. Happy birthday, Jordan. And a happy birthday to one and all. Well, here are some Ben Ritter lines that he sent. Um, and by the way, lady named June um, from his church, Village Presbyterian in Carrollwood, who listens every morning, want to say uh, good morning to June, our other listener. Well, here we go with the... Ben one-liners, what do you call a bear with no teeth? A toothless bear. A gummy bear. Ah. <laughs> oh. Dave liked it. <laughs> there's, there's Dave laughing. Uh, how do you eat a hard drive? You one take bite. Take a bite, yeah. yeah oh, one, one bite, bite at a time, <laughs> B-Y-T-E. 
What do you call a cantaloupe underwater? A watermelon. A watermelon, yeah. <laughs> How do fishermen get jobs? They hook them. Networking. Oh, okay. Networking. <laughs> What's the best way to communicate with fish? Drop him a line. <laughs> and why are fish so intelligent? Because they live in schools. Now <laughs> well, that'll be. Do fish ever get thirsty? Uh, that's a good question. Well, they know the water's not sanitary, so they don't drink it. <laughs> that is true. I think they absorb it through their gills or whatever i don't know maybe somebody can well we got plenty of people that know a lot about fish live here in the bay area maybe they can update us on that it's six ten on am tampa bay time to check in now with john thomas and traffic throwing it back with jack on am tampa bay with jack harris and at six fifteen on am tampa bay um, this goes back to the 70s, and um, I was, for some reason, had to MC a Tom Jones concert at what was then Curtis Hickson Hall. And for younger people here, where Curtis Hickson Park is now, there used to be a tremendous arena, which uh, USF basketball was played there. And, of course, it was a concert venue as well. And for some reason, I'd been selected to MC a concert by Tom Jones. His most famous hit was She's a Lady. But, first of all, Tom and I were back in the Blue Room, and there was a lead-in group that was appearing on the stage then. And... um so I came out to go up to get ready to introduce Tom Jones to the crowd, and it was real dark, and it was a long walk from the um, the Blue Room back there all the way up to where the stage was located. And so as I came out of the room and started walking up the, uh, well, they had a red carpet out there, and then they had ropes uh, on the edges of where the seats were, so you had a walkway going up through there. But anyway, I came out of the blue room and started up that walkway, and again, it was real dark, and people started grabbing at me and hollering over here, hey, can we get your autograph? We want to get your autograph. And I thought, wow, they must be listeners or something like that. And so I went over and signed a couple of autographs, and people could see me better when I got over next to the ropes there and they were also looking at the autographs Jack Harris and then they all started complaining hey you're not Tom Jones you're not Tom Jones I said well I'm not I'm sorry I'm not Tom Jones is this she's a lady <laughs> well she's all you'd ever want she's the kind I'd like to flaunt and take to dinner that was her or that was him <laughs> but I fought my way up there and finally kept telling people, I'm not Tom Jones. I'm not Tom Jones. And then I went down and Tom Jones came up through there and it took him forever to get there because everybody wanted an autograph or a picture or something. And then I finally got to introduce him and he did his show. And that's our throwback this Thursday here. She's a lady. Tom Jones. Were you ever familiar with the uh, name Tom Jones as a singer? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And for me, nah, yeah. not so much. She's a lady. Oh, 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 she's a lady. I like it, though. Yeah, that was his only big hit, I think. He was a, a Welsh guy. He wasn't um, born in this country. But... Um, that was my throwback for uh, Thursday. Wait, I got a cough here now. A little throwback Thursday with Jack Harris. Always love the, the stories that you tell. 
Well, I hope I don't run out of them. I got one more for next week already. All right. In regards, uh, well, 50-year kind of anniversary of oh, wow. something that went on. Um, but I was up in D.C. or on my way to D.C. then. But enough about that. Let me see. I don't think I have time to get to these. I'm going to... We got gas prices uh, as they were for... Um, well, let me give those real quickly here. Gas prices, according to AAA, the current average in the Tampa Bay area is four seventy-five and a half. This is as of yesterday, and that was three cents less than the day before. So it is going down. It was three cents less, and it was fourteen cents less than a week ago. Uh, but it was 29 and a half cents more than a month ago. A month ago it was 446. And it was a dollar 84 and a half more than it was one year ago. A dollar 84 and a half. And the highest price ever, uh, and it's 15 cents more than it is now, was 490 and a half. And that was just a week ago that it was four ninety and a half, so it's dropped fifteen cents in this past week. I feel like Riverview gas stations are stuck then because they still show uh, four eighty nine on every single gas station out there. Yeah, the prices are all over. I know they're uh, here on uh, on Gandy. They're at sixty six, and I think one of them is sixty four and sixty seven. So at least they're down into the 60s now. Yeah. That's a good thing. It's 620 on AM Tampa Bay. Time to check in with John Thomas and traffic. The latest headlines, weather, and traffic every weekday morning. This is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris on News Radio WFLA. It's 625 on AM Tampa Bay and Joining us now, Scott Kimbler, NBC News radio reporter. And, uh, Scott, a lot happening in uh, the nation's capital right now with gun control being a big, big deal. And, of course, monetary policies as well. But are we going to see anything moving forward for uh, new gun laws? Uh, yes, there's a likelihood that we will, quite possibly by the end of the week. The Senate has taken a threshold vote in a bipartisan gun control bill, and we could see, again, a full vote by the end of the week, most likely Saturday. What this will do, in part, is add dating girlfriends under the domestic violence protection right now that covers live-in partners and spouses. It also toughens private sale laws and adds penalties for people selling a gun to someone who is not legally able to own one. And uh, the largest part of this bill commits hundreds of millions of dollars to mental health in the form of the Suicide Prevention Hotline, also Project AWARE, which is a mental health program for students in schools, and it improves trauma care in schools. We're looking at committing $28 million to improving that particular aspect of it. But again, we can have a vote by the end of the week, most likely Saturday, on this gun control measure. And apparently there are enough votes uh, on the Republican side to get the thing passed. Uh, yeah, in the threshold vote, which is really a testing of the waters, uh, you had a 64 to 34 uh, threshold vote on that. So in the past, we've had filibusters come up when it comes to gun control, and the Senate believes that right now, because of that margin, that uh, they could overcome a potential uh, filibuster on that. And it may go through more smoothly this time than it has in, in years past. Uh, one other thing, January 6th, that seems like it's going to be with us for quite some time now. Um, what do you think? How do Americans feel about the uh, January 6th trial that just goes on and on? Well, uh well, right now we have 64% of Americans in the new poll believing that the Capitol attack was planned, and that's a shift in thinking. 
course, Democrats overwhelmingly believing that possibility at 84 percent, with Republicans being about evenly split. And that is a switch. Uh, we're looking at 49 to 46 now, people believing that, uh, yeah, that may have been planned. And Americans overall appearing to be split on whether Donald Trump would be criminally responsible. Forty six percent of the people in the Quinnipiac poll uh, saying that he likely is, while 47 percent saying he is not. And six to ten Americans agreeing uh, that Trump does share a degree of responsibility in that attack. Well, it'll be interesting to see how this thing comes out. And regardless of how it comes out, I'm sure we're going to see it go to an appellate court. But Scott Kimbler, our NBC News radio reporter, thanks for joining us this morning on AM Tampa Bay. Thank you for having me. Talk to you soon. You got it. And coming up here, we'll hear our dope of the day from Katie. Right now, it's 628 on AM Tampa Bay. Let's hear about the dopiest dope of all the dopes of the day on AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris. And at 637, Katie, who is our dope of the day? Well, I cannot pronounce her name, and I'm not going to try, but she is a woman from Sarasota. She's 37, and she got arrested yesterday, early, early morning at Bradenton, or not, yeah, Bradenton Hospital, right? Oh, Blake Hospital, I'm sorry. She was loading a handgun in the emergency room, and people saw her and called 911. They received the call at 2.16, and at the same time, a hospital security guard approached the woman, and, you know, she was literally loading a handgun. They found a small handgun in her purse and a laser. They secured that, and then they later found a high-capacity drum-style magazine with 36 loaded rounds, two magazines containing a total of 13 loaded rounds, and 14 loose rounds in her purse. So I don't know what she was planning on doing, but luckily people were cognizant of what was going on around them, and they were able to call 911, and they had security guards in Blake Hospital, so they were able to detain her. And nothing bad happened, but it seems like something was going to happen. There's no reason you would need to be doing that in the ER. You better believe. And you always yeah, hear about these shootings in the ERs lately, too. Oh, past couple of years. Yeah. 2.16 in the morning. Like, there, you were up to no good at 2.16 in the morning with two guns and that many rounds. It's just could have been out of hand. So she's definitely our dope of the day. By the way, you don't want to try her name? No. Come on. Nope, not trying okay. her name. Can you I try can it? You go ahead. All right. I'm going to say it's Jamikira Ulisa. Leverett Chapman. Leverett Chapman, for sure. <laughs> Don't know the first two. Jimmy Kira. I'm going to lock that in. Well, we can also add to the dope of the day, Corrine Jean-Pierre, uh, her Freudian, Freudian slip. This is uh, the press secretary, Corrine Jean-Pierre, managed to tell the truth about gas prices, although unintentionally, before she corrected herself, uh, you know, the national average near $5 a gallon, and she was struggling to give an answer on what Biden is doing to reduce prices. And she said the president has been very clear in making sure that he does everything he can to elevate the, I mean, I'm to alleviate the pain that American families are feeling when it comes to gas prices. So, she basically admitted he's doing everything he can to elevate the uh, pain American families are feeling rather than alleviate because, um, I mean, it's just crazy that all of these burdensome regulations on the oil industry and uh, it's all of the bad things that they're doing and the things that we aren't doing to get our own gas, to become gas independent. I mean, the Keystone Pipeline, the drilling, offshore drilling, whatever the case may be, we could get prices down as to where they were a year ago if only we did those things. But no, we're doing dopey things. It's 640 on AM Tampa Bay. Time to check in now with John Thomas and traffic. OptimaTaxRelief.com. 
Monitoring every tick of the market, here's Jay Ratliff, day trading expert on AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris. At 645, Jay Ratliff of daytradefund.com joins us right now. And uh, Jay, the Fed share is admitting that the recession, that we're going to have a recession, that it's a very strong possibility. That is correct. And, of course, remember Jerome Powell and others. Uh, Jack, they were very adamant, uh, almost to the point of being irritated anytime anyone last year was asking about the possibility of uh, a recession coming uh, along. And, of course, they said, well, any uh, inflation we have in, in 2021 is going to be uh, transitory. It's going to be temporary. We're not really going to be that worried about it. And obviously, as we've rolled into this year, that's exactly been the, the case as far as what is happening as we see inflation numbers at 40-year uh, highs. And it, it's it's pushing us towards the point of a recession. And that's one of the things that the Fed has reluctantly said, saying, yes, it is certainly a possibility, which is a far cry from where it has been. But, you know, I, I think a lot of people fail to recognize that it's like going to work and, and being told you're, you're getting a 10% pay cut. Because with everything costing as much as it is, that's the equivalent of what's taking place right now, is that uh, our money's buying you know 90% of what it, it did before, and it could get worse. And that's really the unfortunate thing about this recessionary period is that uh, it comes in phases, and it, we're at the very initial stage of what could be a recession now, and it could really rear its ugly head even more so as we hit the end of this year going through next year. And uh, unfortunately, it uh, could take a, a year or so for us to get fully on the other side. What is does it take to officially declare it as a recession? We need to have two quarters of negative growth, basically, which we've had uh, from from our uh, uh, from the from the economy's growth, and we've seen uh, the first quarter, or we've actually had now back to back quarters of negative growth, and that's what can basically is at the beginning of a recessionary period. Now, there's some other dynamics that that play into that, uh, but we, we have been pointed in this direction for some time. And, you know, for Jerome Powell, the Fed chair, to come out later and say, you know, we, we, we were behind the ball, we, we did misjudge this at, uh, as far as what was going on, and Janet Yellen saying the same thing, the former Fed chair, uh, saying that uh, we were not uh, positioned as we should have been, has really put the Fed in a position where they're going to be far more aggressive as we move forward, and, you know, I'm just worried that when they see some of the positive news as far as the recent job numbers that exceeded expectations, that there's this idea that, okay, the unemployment numbers are down, uh, things are looking good, but I know that these are smart people, and they recognize that those numbers don't reflect unemployment. It, it, it reflects the people who are actively looking for jobs, and those that have not, who have given up, are no longer considered in that equation. Therefore, it's not really reflective of the current state of the job market. And as we move forward, it's, uh, there's going to be some pain associated with what's going to be coming and uh, the higher interest rates and things. I mean, you know, when you, when you see people talking about, my gosh, you know, it's, it's, it's up to 6% uh, to get a 30-year a fixed mortgage, and they're complaining about it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's we were spoiled with some very, very low interest rates for an extended period of time. Unfortunately, a lot of that is over as we uh, quickly move in the opposite direction. And, of course, it's a big impact on people and their buying power and, uh, that's something you don't want to see. No, and, and Jack, the one thing we'll have to keep an eye on is consumer debt. If you know, so, so many people said, I, I'm taking my vacation. We've not really had a vacation in three years because of the pandemic that we went through. And you're really worried about people that are going out charging vacations and other things that they're going to spend the next three years paying off at some exorbitantly high interest rate. And if you know people are out there um, taking on a lot more debt, that's going to work against us as well. So uh, over the course of the next six to eight months, when we start to see some of the 
the data coming out with regards to savings and and what the those the latest inflation numbers are and and how much additional debt families may be taking on i I think that that'll tell a more clear story i'm not optimistic because i think the numbers are really going to look bad as we move forward as people kind of throw caution to the wind but uh, there's a lot of things that are going to be moving, a lot of moving parts as uh, this proceeds. And, Jack, as always, I'll do my very best to try to stay ahead of it as, as we can and explain what's taking place as we go through it. Well, you do that better than anybody. And before you decide to do any stock trading or anything, you want to go to daytradefund.com. And, Jay, we will talk to you next week. I'm hoping with some good hockey news, I'm pulling for you. So let's see that it happens. Oh, yes, indeed. <laughs> I hope so. After Friday night. <laughs> well, that's past. We've, you move forward from here. Yes, indeed. Thank you, Jay. Hi, right, Jack. It's 6.50 on AM Tampa Bay, and time to check in now with John Thomas and traffic. Live on 94.5 FM in Pinellas County, this is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris on News Radio WFLA. It's 6.55 on AM Tampa Bay. you got to check out our our blog here this morning. Katie's put some good stuff on here as always. The largest python ever caught in state history just found in southwest Florida. That's where those pythons hang out. And we got a couple of girls taking pictures of each other oceanside, and it's an epic failure. And you're going to love this if you were around in those days. The Sunday TV programs from the 1960s. Basically, it's the old Ed Sullivan show and some of the great artists that he had on there. They were fantastic, including Elvis at one time, way back in the day. But it's at amchampabay.com, amchampabay.com. So be sure and check it out. And what are you all going to be talking about today? Well, of course, we're going to recap that disappointing uh, game for it, Amelie Arena, last night. Also, we have the uh, publisher of Florida Politics, Peter Shore. She's going to be on to talk about that Andrew Gillum story. Indicted. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Big he deal. end up spending a little time in a slammer. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to have the latest on that. And we'll talk to the uh, Tampa Bay Business Journal. They're going to be on. They just had a big interview with Jeff Finnick. So, oh yeah, find out what he had to say. I saw that they did have that. Well, that's a good thing. And, um, yeah, Vinick has made such an impact. He really has. In the Bay Area. I mean, if you look what he's done with Water Street, I don't know why they call it that. It ought to be called Vinickville. Transformed Vinnick- the whole area. Yeah. Oh, you better believe it. That and, of course, the other big growth in uh as midtown what's yep. been happening there huge yeah for sure well anyway we'll have the uh fake news report coming up tomorrow among other things and we'll see you tomorrow morning at five on am champa bay live it up